In the domain of marketing, there are a lot of applications of artificial intelligence and machine learning, from recommendation engines to predictive analytics and beyond. One of the more ambitious aims is to automate the process of marketing altogether. Uh, in other words, being able to have a machine run and generate ads uh, and be able to test and essentially spend the marketing budget of a company in order to glean ROI. Uh, quite a challenging task, implies trust in the machine, which at large businesses altogether don't necessarily have, uh, but certainly a direction that the market seems to be turning in terms of where marketing activity is headed. Uh, especially if we look at the corollary in the finance markets and the domains of that space where machines have sort of taken over wholeheartedly. Or Shani is CEO of Adgorithms. Adgorithms has around 100 employees at the time of this recording, based in between Israel and New York City. Um, and Adgorithms focuses on the quantitative and optimization sort of efficiency side of online advertising. So companies provide creatives and Adgorithms goes to work with optimizing within the set parameters to glean a higher ROI with more testing and variations than maybe humans would be capable of. That's the pitch anyway. When I interview Orr in this particular interview, we talk about where are humans in the loop here and where are humans not in the loop and how do you think that might change in this big domain of marketing over the course of the next five or 10 years? Orr shares a little bit of his perspective on how the landscape of marketing might shift and how marketing is applicable and applied uh, in, in the domain of automating advertising altogether. So you might be pondering how much does a human have to be involved in order to, to glean a higher ROI than a person by themselves running ads. And I do a good job, I think, of coaxing that answer out of or at least as, in terms of how the realities are uh, today. So without further ado, or Shani with Adgorithms. So or I've I've been to your homepage um, and I've, I've gotten to chat with you a little bit off mic about sort of the technology behind algorithms. Um, give us a rundown of, in this process of sort of automating advertising, um, of, of really automating the, the optimization of, of digital ad spend, where do the humans play a role and, and where does the machine play its role if we kind of take it the, a look at the two pieces separately? Sure. So that's a great question. I think that the way our uh, we look at things in our company or our perspective is that you can separate marketing to two different kind of uh, silos. One is the creative side and the other one is kind of the execution and the data analysis, the big data problems, uh, execution and so on. And for us, you know, when we started six years ago to build Albert, it was very distinct that the creative is something which is very much human. It's very, very hard to come and, and, and try to say, let's mimic the human mind. Let's try to find why red is so attractive to so many people or why some people do not like the, the color green or something of that sort, uh, where everything has to do with big data calculations, you know, from very easy calculations of how much is seven times five times three to very complex calculations, something that machine has a clear advantage of. So uh, when we developed Albert, we kind of set we set the place for the humans mainly to focus on the creative side. And this is what we let our uh, clients, our advertisers to do. So they bring their creative, they bring their kind of uh, creative strategy, what they want to say, what type of messaging they want to attract the clients, uh, their potential clients, and we take care of everything. So assuming you set a campaign right in Albert, he does everything, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, so and you had mentioned when we were talking off mic just for a quick second, 
that in order to, to allow the machine to sort of have the creative freedom to do, you used the word before kind of the optimization side of things. So execution optimization, the subtle tweaks, the, the subtle headline varieties that the human enters. So from, from what you'd mentioned before, the actual image creatives, the headlines, the descriptions, which are going to be different depending on channel, could be Twitter, Facebook, you know, Google paid search, whatever. The text that you use, the length of that text, the images that you use, the size of those images, what's on those images, that'll vary per channel. But the, the rotation of all those different creatives, the, the ability for that to optimize and then to retarget from one channel to another, this is set up early on and, and is a kind of a decision made by the marketing and executive teams. Um, talk a little bit about that initial process. So in order to have this machine really take over on, on the math side and the optimization of finding these sort of um, micro demographic niches and, and upsell sequences or whatever, what's that front end human work that sort of goes into setting the machine up to win? Mm-hmm. So there are two, uh, two different things here. First, the creative side, as we said, we usually bulk upload a lot of the creative of the client. And in our platform, you can just type in whatever you want or just upload as a bunch. And we're going to do all the mix and match and optimization behind that. Um, and the second part, and we kind of discussed it earlier, is the when we onboard a client, it's a little bit like building a factory for marketing. So we kind of talk to the client, we kind of interview him or them to understand what exactly is driving their business. Like what is their PNL structure? Is it like one PNL or few PNLs? What will consider be a success? What kind of KPIs are very important to them? What type of reporting they want to get? What type of insights they want to get? And we literally build like a small uh, mini version of Albert that's going to be dedicated just for them. So those are kind of the two manual parts. Other than that, things are automatic. And the last level we have is some kind of a monitoring level we have that the data researchers uh, we have in the R&D center in Tel Aviv, they kind of look over what Albert does and making sure there's no kind of big mistakes or anomalies or things that kind of break down that, uh, you know, may cause everybody a lot of suffering. Got it, got it. So so you've got your team that'll monitor and sort of make sure that we're we're at an even keel, you know, we're spending the right amounts, we're, you know, we're, we're getting conversions at a rate that seems reasonable or we're improving in the right way with our, with our, our advertising. Um, you've got that initial setup where you have to determine KPIs, and I think it's impossible to tell an employee how to be good at their job, never mind a machine, unless you have KPIs. So that makes a lot of sense, and it would it would seem yeah. logical that you'd have to set up some of that initial business logic, as you'd said, and how do we measure a win? What are we allowed to do when someone clicks this but doesn't do that? Some of that initial stuff uh, seem, seems to make sense to have to set up some, some degree of structure, and there's some high touch there. Um, in terms of how often your clients are in touch once an initial ad gets running, I imagine this varies client to client. So are they are they sort of um, when when Albert is in there, uh, let's say testing a bunch of varieties of targeting for for individual sort of affinity groups or age levels or whatever, or testing a, a, a bunch of new creatives in terms of images. We bulk uploaded you know two hundred different banner advertisements into Google Display, whatever the case may be. I imagine again this varies company to company. How do companies generally, with your technology today, maintain a connection to Albert? Are they are they sort of checking out a dashboard on a daily and maybe making tweaks and uploading new things? Are they generally checking in with your team uh, in, in Israel once a week or in New York once a week uh, to to be able to kind of get some updates? What is um what is the company's marketing team sort of doing after that initial setup period when a lot of the advertising is being handled by Albert? How do they interact from there? 
Sure. So obviously we have our own dashboard and we have our own kind of automated email that's going to send in a daily or monthly or weekly, whatever uh, type of emails you want to support. Uh, it really varies by client to client and their needs and how they work. We have clients that they, they have one or two guys uh, that are responsible for a few, you know, PNLs of the business and, and you have 10 people that are involved in one PNL. It's, it kind of varies. And we let the client kind of understand and define how we want, is it, does he want it more high touch or, or a little bit less of that? What's one of the main kind of connection between Albert and the client is what we call the actionable insights. And what Albert actually does, like one of the things I hated when I used to be a marketer, like our clients, this, this was my background. Uh, is that I hated to run reports. It's something I hated mostly. You know, you need to you you run a campaign and then you need to go in in the morning. You make your coffee and then you run your report, and then you try to analyze the report and then you find oh it's the wrong report. I need to have another report and then you need to cross reference. Is that the right the right data and try to understand everything? We built Albert in a way that he runs the reports for you and he digests information. So at the end of the day, he, sh- he spits out just the most important things and he can back it up with the actual reports. So we'll come to you and say, oh, you know what? You uh, onboarded like 1,000 different creative variations and these are the ones that are really good and they're good in this demographic. So you should create more of these or something of that sort. Or he can tell you when you hit the goal or if you think you will never hit your goal or if you think you, sh- you should add more budget. Or if you think, for example, there's a classic example when you have clients that they work, we kind of support right now email, Google, Bing, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, display, pretty much everything. So it's very common that we're going to start working with a client and he'll say, I just want to do Google. And it's so important to get a feedback from Albert saying, we're ready to do Bing right now. Just click on those three buttons and that's it. We're live and running in Bing, which is Pretty much amazing. So it's, I think a lot of the emphasis we try to do is to create what we call the synergy between a man and machine. Uh, First to eliminate the fear factor. And I must admit, there's a lot of fear factor around that. So people give us a lot of Terminator quotes uh, during the sale process, even after they start working with Albert. (laughs) That's Um, funny. But we do think that, you know, as everything else in life, you give, like, if you, you need to, create some kind of a balance. So if you're talking, if you're taking a lot of the execution from the team, you need to share a lot more information than what our assistant would have done. Uh, we invest a lot of time and, and kind of brain power uh, to understand what's going to be the best fee for the client. Um, and we keep getting better and better at that. So this whole idea of actionable insights, I mean, I, I, I'm completely congenial with your idea that running reports is, is the part that a marketer doesn't want to do. I mean, generally speaking, if you're on the creative side, if you're on the growth side, if your responsibility is is sales and growth, you, you really just don't want to spend most of your time manually pecking away at spreadsheets and altering, you know, different features of a report to make sure it's insightful. It's just a horrible use of 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 that person's time. But but at the same point, you can't not have reports. So you have to have a team for that. You have to have a person for that. It sounds like that's a lot of the value prop for you folks is sort of getting those reports out and putting the most important insights first. Um, what delineates a most important insight? I mean, is this is this sort of a? I mean, it's it's 
it'll differ per channel. So Instagram is going to display certain metrics in a certain way. Google's going to display certain metrics in a certain way. And you're going to have to figure out what's important about these metrics. Which of the demographics that we tested that did well should we tell the client about? Um, mm-hmm. How is that decision making being done? Because that, that really, that feels like a creative task in and of itself, figuring out what data should the client know? What's actually useful here? What's a little bit of what's behind that work? Yeah, definitely. So we we do a lot of work around uh, recommendation engines, obviously, in many parts of our system. And part of that is try to, there are some kind of basic rules you can literally write. You know, uh, the more budget you spend on a specific opportunity, the more important that is. There are things that the client can say for yourself. But I think um, letting kind of Albert figure out what's the most important thing, it, it proved to be very, very useful. Um, exactly by the, you know, examples you just mentioned. So by using some kind of a, a recommendation engine, we give Albert the opportunity to recommend what he thinks is going to be the best way. And in our system, we can actually track whether somebody read it or act upon that. So it creates some kind of a feedback loop for Albert to know, did he suggest it or did he give the right insights or not? Ah. Um, sometimes we give this input, you know, just the client, he goes into the dashboard and he does his own thing and Albert picks it up. Sometimes, you know, because it's not a perfect, um, you know, end-to-end system. So at the end of the day, somebody will call you a client and say, hey, I don't know, my insights are off. I'm not interested at all with all the brand metrics. I just interested. I'm interested just on in the creative, and we will apply this input in their behalf. Yeah. But we need to have some kind of a signal. We get that through the interaction with the platform. It's really, it's really interesting, and I think it's um, it's critical. There's a very fine line between too much data to too little data to not interesting data, yeah. and because this is so different, you know, we, we work with clients that sometimes they have ten or twenty people on their marketing team just in one location. Um, you know, so we, we're trying to figure out and we come to them and say, Hey, we're the next generation marketing and everybody's so scared and kind of fears technology. Hmm. Um, and for us, it's, we take a lot of responsibility to making sure they understand nobody's here to take their jobs to replace them. And this is kind of a win-win situation. And one of those things is sharing the information, sharing the right information. Cause I think I feel with, with clients, as all other systems, people try to fail your system in a way. It's like there's something uh, probably very basic in the human mind that you don't want the robots to win. Even with myself, I just <laughs> bought, uh, there's a new Google Home. Yes, yes. Right? yes. The, the little speaker. Yep. I, I'm just dying for it to come. I think it's going to arrive in two days to test it out and make sure how it cannot answer my question. <laughs> It's something that you want to see how it's not going to work. So yep, yep. we do a lot of work also with our clients, trying to interview them, understand, uh, use the Albert functionality and uh, the feedback loop to get better and better understanding. Uh, but I think it's a very, aside of the pure data, you know, the pure machine learning, the pure AI challenge, the other challenge is also to create the synergy with the clients. Yeah, that's, that's, man, I mean, you bring up a very important point. And I think for anybody who is in the business world, they're going to understand what you're talking about right away here. I mean, applying your technology is one thing, but being able to get approval to, to do what you need to do to really be able to flesh out, you know, the, the work that the machine needs to do, make sure that, you know, 
there's no management or employee sentiment that they're going to lose their jobs. And so they're going to kind of sabotage the effort. There's a, there's a lot of trust and collaboration, especially with how new the technology is, that, that it sounds like that's a really big emphasis um, for you folks in terms of building that first uh, so that you can even test the rest of it because that, that, that trust is so important in a technology that's new. And like you said, people want to beat the machines. And if, even if it does go through, they're going to try to kind of push some buttons and, and uh, you know, see if they can come out on top somehow. Sure. Huh. Exactly. So, okay, interesting. So it sounds like the pace at which the, the people will come in and approve things or touch things or alter things will sort of differ per client. Um, and, and again, that's part of that initial setup of how, how do we want this arrangement to work? That's, that's some of the, the high touch stuff that has to come in in order for a, a proper kind of partnership, which is its own sort of dynamic to the business. The last question I wanted to get into or is around what technologies like this might mean for the next five or 10 years in the marketing domain. So, you know, there's, there are other folks sort of working, a lot of them are admittedly working in more limited channels than you are, let's say just email or just Facebook or just e-commerce, for example, they're not doing stuff about kind of phone appointments. Um, this, this whole notion of advertising being automated. Some, some folks are, you know, actually trying to automate some of the creative. Some people like yourself, again, it's more about the optimization. When, when, when the world is more full of machines optimizing for targeting and segmentation and whatnot, what does that look like for businesses and for consumers? I mean, how has the landscape changed? How is marketing itself digitally potentially altered in the next five or 10 years? This kind of technology becomes more popular. Sure. So I think it's, it's going to change in many dimensions, but I think it's less scarier than what people imagine. Um, and again, I don't want to repeat the, uh, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job oh, yeah, I, I, again. Yeah. But uh, I think that right now, specifically in marketing, marketing is so complex. There's so many things that, you know, even Facebook, and I, I heard the other day the interview you had with uh, uh, the guys from Kit and, mm -hmm. and Shopify. So you know, Facebook in six years, it, they changed from, from you know, uh, up to bottom, everything they had to do. So Crazy. it's so complex. And what people are doing today is really not good enough job, not because they're not smart enough. I think people are amazing, but because you don't have enough time to really do everything you want to do. So you try to use kind of rule of thumb and everything. What Albert and is what I believe is going to be a lot of competitors coming forward uh, in the next few years, um, they're trying to, you know, fiddle into this place where the human element is kind of limiting your possibilities and it will open up more possibilities for you. So I think people will be more focused on the creative, on the human side of things. Like, you know, I had a great discussion the other day, one of the biggest um, uh, holding groups, uh, one of the biggest agencies in the world. And he said something, Is a guy that it's been in the industry for so long. And he said, it's amazing how technology evolves, but at the end of the day, the right copywriter will probably break any robot. And he's so right about that. And I think what I kind of understood a few years ago that you don't need to go all the way and automate everything. You need to keep the place where human have an amazing advantage and you need to you have to bring the machine in where the machines have uh, an amazing advantage and let them work together and so i think 10 years from now you're going to see many other companies try to do what we are doing and, and other companies are doing um and you're going to see less people you know doing 
um, I don't know, manual work around marketing. But it's, I think it's, it's slower than what people imagine. And I, I, I imagine that your readers and your listeners are like much more tech savvy than the regular people. But there are a lot of business hurdles, you know, to, to kind of um, hold the progress, uh, unfortunately. But I think nobody doubts that that's, this is the future. Like you cannot stop it. It makes so much sense. Uh, one of the things I usually say to to people I meet that when we started developing Albert was version two. It was really such a basic, you know, we had few heuristics, few rules, and that's it. And we made a competition between him and me. We ran the same campaign, A-B tested, and he won over two days. In in two days, he crushed me. It was, a, it was su- such an embarrassment. And you get to understand that this is really, and it, you know, after you feel it, after you, you see it for the first time, you understand what is the advantage and what will happen in the future. And there's no doubt about that. No, I, I think it's, it's very hard to, to doubt sort of where the trajectory is going. Um, you know, I'm not going to be overly optimistic. I know that there's hurdles, you know, in the medical world, there's hurdles too. You know, there's hurdles in just the infrastructure, the way things used to be done, all the different technologies involved. Um, you know, sort of who, who, who the shot callers are, who the budget holders are, that there's a lot of factors that'll, you know, impinge it from just the whole universe turning into one marketing startup. That's not exactly the way it's going to work. But, you know, the inevitability is, is pretty compelling. I mean, if we make the analogy to the finance market, and I don't know if you do or, but I figured this is worth asking you as, as a guy in this space, um, there's certain domains of, of, of the trading world where, you know, it really has to be a human call. You know, Warren Buffett, um, does not have an algorithm that tells him, you know, that told him to buy Geico when he did. You know, that, that was a, mm-hmm. a very large aggregate kind of contextual, you know, lifetime up until that point amount of information and, and all these factors about the executive team and all this that, that's not really quantifiable in very tangible senses that, that he pulled the, the cord on. However, there are plenty of, of businesses that, that a certain degree of their trading absolutely has to be done by computers. Some some areas and sort of currencies trading and things like this where, where these, these changes are so subtle and so fast that you're not going to have people look at a dashboard and do it. It's impossible. It's over. That part is not happening anymore. People don't do that anymore. And it sounds like eventually some elements of optimization of advertising, some elements of creation and distilling of reporting will sort of probably starting with the big companies, then trickling down to the little guys, just not be done by people anymore. Is that is that a safe assessment of what the future might look like? Or do you have something that you might alter about that? No, I completely agree. And there's no doubt. I The only thing that can stop uh, anything like that, because this happened, this is literally what we're doing. Like you, you said, some portion and some... Like we automate almost everything. It's just unbelievable. And the I think the human hurdles around that are or the business hurdles around people that, you know, change takes time. People need to evolve and understand how to digest these systems and so on. So that that's gonna think that's gonna slow it down. Technology wise, we're definitely there. Um and I would argue, but your example about Warren Buffett that a computer could have calculated that if you had a computer there and enough data points. It's just a matter of you need to, you know, have the right data points set up in order to get this kind of decision making. But this is another argument 
but this is what I personally believe <laughs> yeah. in. So you can pretty much automate everything, just a matter of time. I, I think I think so too, uh, and I think you know in, in the far the far reaching future, I'm sure there's folks that that are of the belief that you know we could not just replicate Warren Buffett's decisions, but replicate Warren Buffett himself. Have we enough data points and enough hardware, sure. enough software? Enough? I think I think um, we'll we'll see how how far the uh, how far the far edges sort of stretch out, but it, it seems as though, at least in the near term, you know, a lot of what you folks are doing is going to go from the big companies to eventually kind of more of the, the medium-sized companies to eventually even smaller businesses will sort of have to, in order to stay competitive, you know, be optimizing their keywords, be optimizing their spend, be optimizing their targeting by algorithms and not by people. So we'll see if this algorithm. Uh, how this this algorithm sort of paradigm paints its way across the market, but it's been very very interesting to gain your perspective on it. Where I know we're right up on time, but I want to say a big thanks for joining us here on Tech Emergence. Sure, thank you so much. Pleasure talking to you. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.